Good morning. Our scripture reading is Joshua 24, verses 14 through 18. Joshua 24, 14 through 18. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are visiting here with us at East Point Church, let me say to you, uh, so uh, welcome, so glad to have you. Glad the Lord would lead you to come and fellowship with us this morning. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to have you here. Pray that your heart has been encouraged some way, that you've been greeted with a warm smile and a hello and, and welcome. And um, if there's anything, anything we could do, any way we can serve you, answer any of your questions, um, please do not hesitate to ask one of us or someone near you, we would delight to do just that. We've been going through a series um, in Joshua, and we have come to the final chapter in Joshua, chapter, tw chapter 24. And we are about to wrap this series up real uh, quickly here. But before we do, uh, we have some important words that the Lord would have us meditate upon this morning. Uh, Joshua 24, verses 14 through 18 indeed have been read for us in our hearing. Uh, let us pray and thank the Lord that he would be so gracious as to apply them to our hearts and our minds this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness to us and how you have already manifested yourself in our presence by reminding us that you are worthy, that you are worthy of all of our praise. And, and so we do indeed sing our anthem, Lord, the highest praise to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and indeed that he is all we have, and we are reminded, therefore, he is all we need. Thank you, Lord. You are good, and you are worthy of our praise. As we meditate upon this passage of Scripture this morning, we do ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes open our minds and our hearts, again, that we would see Jesus and glorify him in all our ways. We thank you and we honor you and we praise you this day and always. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Well, I am reminded that um, many of us are fans of courtroom dramas. Amen? I know that many of you are because there's so many of them on TV. And they wouldn't be there if people didn't adore them. 
courtroom dramas, movies, docu-series. We love it. We love it when, when a lawyer stands up and gives what is a memorable and remarkable and matter-of-fact closing argument. We love it in, in TV shows. Back when I was growing up, Brother Bob, we watched Perry Mason and Matlock. Now they watch that Judge Judy stuff or <laughs> Judge Brown or whoever, all that other stuff. Good movies like To Kill a Mockingbird, A Time to Kill, A Few Good Men, My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> Amen. Closing arguments, closing arguments, they grab our attention and they, they grab our imagination and they do so because of the finality of the, of the words. They sum up all that we have, have seen and all that we have heard and bring the case in question to its glorious conclusion. In TV and, mov and movies, some of these scenes are, are the most memorable, right? They are the most remarkable. But it's not just true in the movies. It's also true in real life. Who of us doesn't remember the remarkable words of O.J. Simpson's attorney, Johnny Cochran? And he kind of put the nail on the case when he said, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Our text this morning is Joshua's closing argument. We saw last few weeks Joshua's coming to the end of his days, the end of his time, and leading the nation of, of Israel. And he's come now and he's gathered the, the, the nation, he's gathered all the people around, as it were, he's gathered the jury. And he's about to lay out his closing arguments. And like any memorable closing arguments, you read through these and you see that there is just some memorable and remarkable, unforgettable words, indeed points, that he wants to make. In fact, there is one there that seems like it's just a drop-the-mic statement where he says in verse 15, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Boom. Unforgettable. Remarkable. I mean, I asked you the question this morning, who hasn't heard these words before? Dare I say that many, if not most of you, have these words somewhere hanging up in your house, whether they mean anything or not. Some of us at one time or another have probably committed these words to memory. In fact, some of us might consider these words this morning of someone to ask us our life verse. Joshua 24 and 15. 
All of us, all of us, I'm sure, are familiar with these words at some point or another, whether we realize where they were in the Bible or not until this morning. These words are memorable. They are memorable and they are remarkable because, in essence, what Joshua is doing here is he is summing up his argument for the nation of Israel to faithfulness. He is closing the case that he has made for God's faithfulness and therefore for their faithfulness in response. And these words sum up Joshua's life. They sum up Israel's journey from Egypt into the promised land. And therefore, these words are most fitting because they not only sum up the past, but they also set the stage and give the charge to the next generation, and as we have said before, leaves the next generation without excuse. Let's set the stage for this court scene, and let's listen again to Joshua's closing argument. Last week, we saw Joshua had called the entire nation to attention at Shechem. And there, at the beginning of chapter 24, he began to make his case, right? He began to make his case. As, as Brother Pat reminded us last week, he laid out the evidence. And what was the evidence? The evidence was the evidence of grace. It was the evidence of God's grace since calling Abraham out of idolatry and delivering the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and then leading them into the promised land. What's the evidence? Well, the evidence is grace. All around them there was evidence of grace, and he brought the evidence out piece by piece, one by one. Whether, whether it's you coming out of idolatry or you coming out of slavery, whether it's you going into the promised land and possessing it, beloved, all of it serves as evidence of God's grace. Joshua's making his case. He's building his case. And so he's speaking to this generation here whose very existence, he says, his, their very existence has been nothing more than the grace and the graciousness of the Lord their God. Their very existence. He was, dress, he was addressing a people who had all their lives seen the good hand and the loving grace of God. And he makes that point. He makes that point in chapter 24 and verse 13. This is, if you were to ask me what is Israel's life verse, this is Israel's life verse. Verse 13. I like to call this the verse of grace. 
That might not be a more gracious verse in all the scriptures, beloved. Listen to what Joshua says. God says, I gave you land on which you had not labored. And cities that you had not built. And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. Now I wish I could just stop this morning. I wish that I could just stop and pause right here and hand somebody else the mic. Because I know that there are people here who could testify even beyond me of the grace and the mercy of God's goodness this morning that you have things that you don't deserve, that you've been places that you shouldn't have been. Pastor Phil, I'm looking around this sanctuary this morning, and I realize that we meet in a sanctuary that we did not build, in a building with, and we bought with money that we did not have. I wish I, wish I could impress this truth upon every young person here this morning. There is nothing you are. There's nothing you have that you haven't gotten by the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Nothing, beloved. Nothing. Joshua here, Joshua here is speaking this morning. He is speaking to those who grew up in the church. He is speaking to those who grew up in Christian homes. He is speaking to those who went to Sunday school. He's speaking to those who know the catechisms. And he's speaking to those because they grew up in Christian homes and because they went to Sunday school and because they know the catechism that the tendency is to take those things for granted. That's who he's speaking to this morning. To tell, speaking to those who tend to take the things of God for granted. Or as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1, who receive the grace of God in vain. Who receive the grace of God in vain. And what does that mean, beloved? To receive the grace of God in vain is to receive God's favor, to receive God's goodness without it having any effect or result in your life. Whoa. Whoa. I, I, I really don't know if there's anything worse that could be said about a person than that God has been good to them and they don't care. That it makes no difference in the way they live. It makes no difference in how they walk and how they talk. This is what Joshua was speaking against. God has been good 
And I want to make sure that you haven't received the grace of God in vain. That it would have no effect. That it would bear no fruit. That it would have no result in your life. God forbid. May it never be, beloved. May it never be said of this generation that we took the grace and goodness of God in vain. And this is, this is, this is what Joshua is going to speak against. And so you see, this is Joshua's objective. Verse 14. Now he says, therefore, since the Lord has been good, and all this evidence of grace has manifested itself in your life. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him. Now, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Therefore, therefore, in other words, since, since the Lord has been so good, since he has been so faithful, since he has been so gracious to you, fear and serve the Lord, your God. Because this is the objective of his grace. This is the objective of his good, goodness. This is the objective of faith. This is why God called you, Joshua says. This is why you were delivered out of slavery in Egypt. This is why you have been delivered out of slavery to sin. Worship. 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 In these few verses here, the word serve is mentioned seven times. Seven times. And the idea in the Old Testament, to serve God is to worship God. To serve God is to worship God. To serve God is to acknowledge that God is Savior. It's acknowledge that God is Redeemer. It is to acknowledge that God is Lord. To serve God is to acknowledge where your life and your help comes from. Now, this is your purpose. This is the purpose. This is the reason that God appeared to Moses on the mountain of God. When God appeared to Moses on the mountain of God and revealed himself to Moses, God not only gave Moses a calling, but he also revealed the purpose. Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, but Moses said to God, speaking, God in that burning bush. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will do what? Worship God on this mountain. That's the objective, Moses. 
that you would bring those people out of slavery so that they could come here and serve me. So that they would come here and worship me. Beloved, you were not saved just to be saved. Okay, you were not saved just to be saved. You were saved to serve. You were saved to worship. You were redeemed for praise. You were delivered for his glory. That's what the Bible says. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Right? But you, you, you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that he that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that's the reason that's the reason you are chosen you are holy you are God's special possession he called you out of darkness into his light so that you would do what Declare the praises of him who called you so that you would worship, so that you would serve, so that you would give praise to him. And therefore, Joshua says, put away, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river. Put away the gods that your father serves served while they were in Egypt. Listen, beloved. Moses again is making his case. He says, I want to remind y'all that when God saved Abraham, he saved Abraham out of idolatry. When God saved Israel, he saved them out of bondage. God saves his people out of darkness. Beloved, we all have been saved out of something. And it's that that you and I need to come to grips with. I don't care how good you look this morning. I don't care how well you think of yourself. If you are saved, you have been saved out of something. And in fact, if you have not been saved out of something, then you need to check if you've been saved at all. I find it interesting. I watch some people, and I think some people hesitate to worship. They hesitate to worship because of where they've been. They might hesitate to worship because of what they've done. But I want to suggest to you this morning that I don't care what the person looks like next to you, okay? We all been saved out of something. We all been lifted out of mess. We've all been transformed from the kingdom of darkness in the ki into the kingdom of light. We've all, God had to reach into the depths of the darkness for each and every one of us. We have all been saved out of idolatry. We have all been, have been saved out of bondage. And since that's the case, since that's the case, Joshua says, 
Put away all that stuff. Drop it. Drop it. Drop it. Whatever you've been saved from, drop it. Let it go. Let it go. And lift your hands and choose God this morning. Let it go. And lift your hands and choose Christ this morning. Let it go. That's why the Lord has brought you here this morning. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. You are here to worship. And so, when you come in here, in all of your life, every day, beloved, we got choices to make. Every day. Every day, we got choices to make. And Israel had a choice. In verse 15, he says, now, you see his argument here? He's staring them jokers right in the face. He's approaching the jury box, and he's looking them right in the eye, and he's saying, if it is evil in your eyes, to serve the Lord, then you choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your father, your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like Moses before him, Joshua set before the people Two options. Two options. And why two options, beloved? Well, because there really are only two options. There is only two options. There is the one true living God, and then there's everything else. There is the one true living Christ, and then there is everything else. The challenge for Israel is the challenge for every generation. It's the challenge for every young person here this morning. They call them Generation Z or post-millennials. They tell us that they're tech savvy. They tell us they like their choices. And they tell us that the world has given them more options than any generation in the past. But I'm here to tell you this morning, young people, you only got two options. I don't care how many apps you got on your phone, you only got two options. There are only two choices. If you think it's wrong to serve and worship the one who brought you thus far, if you think that it is inconvenient, if you think that what the preacher says is unreasonable, 
if you think that it is narrow-minded and wrong, or even if you think it's stupid, then I say to you this morning, you choose. Make the choice. Because I'm telling you this morning, beloved, you don't have the option of not choosing. You don't have the option of not choosing. Joshua was saying to them what I'm saying to you. You either all in or you all out. You ain't walking the fence with Jesus. You either all in or you all out. There is only one true and living God. Everything else and everyone else is false. There is only one Savior, Jesus Christ, and everything else and everyone else is false. Not just, that's, that's not the preacher talking, that's what the Bible says. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. Now there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. The world affords you, beloved, the world affords you many options when it comes to God. And they, and they present them and they parade them before you every day. Sex and money and drugs and power and popularity and celebrity and sports and business and politics and race and nationalities, even self. All of these are the options and the choices that the world parades before you as God. But I want to tell you this morning that there are a lot of ways to be wrong, but there is only one way to be right. You can bow down at the altar of any and all of these and be wrong. But there is only one altar before which you can bow and be right. And I say to you this morning, like Joshua said to Israel, you choose this day. Choose this day. I know, I know, I know. Because you are, quote, unquote, Generation Z, I talk, to, I talk to young people. You know what they after, Pastor Phil? You know what they after? They want a third option. That's what they want. They want a third option. No, I don't want to serve those guys, but I don't want to do what mommy and daddy did. So I, they want a third option. They said it's got to be some other way. That's what they thought in Elijah's day. And Elijah said in 1 Kings 18 and 21, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between how many options? Two. How long will you waver between two opinions? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. That's it. That's it, beloved. Jesus said, that Elijah, that ain't just on Elijah. You listen to the words of the Lord Jesus this morning. 
Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'd be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. You cannot worship God and worship money. You cannot worship God and worship self. You cannot worship God and worship sex, politics, sports, race, nationality. And so Joshua said, I want, I want to be clear this morning. If y'all don't hear me say anything else, y'all hear this. Regardless of what you choose to do, regardless of which way you choose to go, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we are going to worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will be a house of faith. Listen, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. There are only two choices. And everybody makes a choice. And when you refuse... To worship the Lord Jesus Christ, you are choosing to worship Baal. You are choosing to worship false gods. You are choosing to worship self. There are only two options. And in the grace and the love and the mercy of God, God sets before you this day and says, Choose. All the evidence is there. He's been good. He's been gracious. He has given you all things necessary for life and godliness. He has provided more than you could ever deserve. All the evidence of grace is there. Choose you this day. But so that you don't get it twisted. Regardless of what you choose, me, I'm choosing the Lord. Come what may, I'm choosing the Lord. Whoever does and whoever doesn't, I'm choosing the house of faith. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting this morning? Now Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're going to worship the Lord. And do you know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19? It says that we are the household of God. Now how does that relate, beloved? Because Joshua pledged his household to faithfulness. Joshua pledged his household to the worship of the one true God. Hebrews chapter, five, chapter 3 and verse 5 says that we are the household of Yeshua. 
that if you are in Christ this morning, that if you are in Jesus, the true Joshua, then Christ has pledged his household to the worship of God. Christ has pledged his household to the service of God. And if you are in Yeshua, then in receiving Christ, that choice has been made for you. You serve the Lord. Come what may, you serve God. This is our confession. This is our creed. We worship God. We worship Jesus Christ, regardless of what others do or don't do, regardless of what others say or don't say, we worship God. We serve Jesus. Because we are of the household of the true Joshua, Jesus, our Savior. When Joshua finished speaking, when he gave them, and he laid out his objectives, and then he gave them their options, notice this gracious obedience that followed. Oh, beloved. Might that be the result of the word this morning? That the word that you have heard this morning would result in this grace-filled obedience. When Joshua made his unwavering, uncompromising, closing argument for the commitment to God, what did the jury say? We do too. We do too. See in verse 16 to 18. Then the people replied, Far be it from us. Far be it from us, Joshua. We heard you. Your words have struck a chord. Your evidence is irrefutable. And your words are unforgettable. Far be it from us, therefore, to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. It's the Lord our God who brought us out of the house of, of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord. For he is our God. Hear what they're saying? Joshua. It is the Lord who picked us. They thought for a moment, and they heard Joshua, and Joshua says, who you going to serve? Who you going to worship? And they said, well, Joshua, it was the Lord who picked us. 
The Lord chose us from all the peoples of the world. It's the Lord who chose us of all the nations on the earth. It is the Lord who picked us, who picked us for his divine and precious purposes. It is the Lord who picked us to show forth his glory and delivering us out of Egypt. It was the Lord who picked us and gave us his precious promises. It is the Lord who picked us, Moses. But it's not only the Lord who picked us, Moses, but it was the Lord who preserved us, Moses. It is the Lord who brought us through the wilderness. It is the Lord God who brought us through the sea. It is the Lord God who has been our keeper night and day. It is the Lord God who has preserved us alive even to this morning. So, so Joshua, it is the Lord who picked us. It is the Lord who has preserved us. It is the Lord who has provided for us, Joshua. The Lord provided for us. The land on which we live, we did not labor. The cities in which we live, we did not build. The gardens from which we feed, we did not plant. The victories that we have won, the Lord is the one who fought them. The Lord has provided us this morning. And if it is the Lord Moses who picked us, and if it's the Lord who preserved us, and if it's the Lord who provided for us, how then can we not give him praise? We worship him. We worship him, Joshua. We worship him. Therefore, we will serve him. We will worship him. He is our God. I have questions for you this morning, these points. I got a question for you. Has he picked you? Has he set his love upon you before the foundation of the world? Had, did he search you and find you when you were not looking for him? Has he picked you this morning? Are you the recipients of his mercy and his grace? Were you once lost and now found? Were you once blind and now see? Has the Lord picked you this morning? If he picked you, has he not preserved you this morning? Has he not brought you here? Has he not kept you alive? Has he not preserved your going in and your going out? Has he not watched over you day and night? Has he not kept your heart? Has he not kept your mind from the evil one? Has he not put a hedge of protection around your soul? Has the Lord picked you? Has the Lord preserved you? I got another question for you. Has he provided for you this morning? What do you have that he did not give you? Has he provided all things that are necessary for you to live and worship him this morning? Has he provided all things necessary so that you can do the things that he has called you to do? Has the Lord provided for you this morning? And if he has picked you, and if he has preserved you, and if he has provided for you, then East Point, why don't you get up and give him some praise this morning? <laughs> praise the Lord God this morning. Choose you this day whom you will serve. 
the Lord God who has brought you, the Lord God who has kept you, the Lord God who has provided for you, choose you this day whom you will serve. And you tell everybody, we serve and worship the Lord our God. Amen. 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 Amen.